This is the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. I am your host, Gene Fleming. Today is January the 7th in the year 2022. I cannot believe it. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. I would say something uh, like Happy New Year, but, you know, New Year rolled in seven days ago. So uh, I'm sure you've heard enough Happy New Year's at this point, and one more is not going to make you any happier. So the last couple of uh, days have been kind of large for us. We started this new exercise class with our seniors. And uh, it's kind of a scary thing to launch out into an aerobics program with seniors. Uh, I had no doubt that they could do it. I didn't know for sure how much they would enjoy it. But I did some follow-up with the people that participated in our first class and by and large, the results are good. Now, some of them saw a little bit of uh, inflammation in their knees. That's to be expected when you're 85 years old. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've got some, we've got a baseline now, so we can work up to, uh, you know, doing longer sessions of aerobics. And, you know, this instructing in aerobics is kind of funny for me because I am a person who has never had any true rhythm whatsoever. And you've seen uh, aerobics type exercise programs on TV uh, or on a video, uh, or maybe you went to um, Zumba classes or something like that and at some point in your life or jazzercise or any of those things. Uh, but uh, it involves a lot of moves that look a lot like dancing. And it's been said that... Uh, while I can lead the class, it's like being led by a drunken giraffe. And I'm going to let that uh, mull around in your brain for a second. I can't, uh, I can kind of picture what a drunken giraffe looks like. But uh, anyway, so the key here is to move, move everything we can, move it to the beat of music, have fun with it, laugh when we make mistakes, and get the workout in. Because one of the truths about this aerobic exercise is that it doesn't have to be perfect. We're not auditioning for a Broadway musical here. We're old people uh, getting our move on and and doing it for about 30 minutes. So you got to laugh. You got to have fun with it. And uh, I was thinking, uh, you know, with 2022 rolling around, it's kind of a celebratory uh, day for me today. Today marks, uh, oh geez, I was supposed to figure this out before I went on air. Um, let's just say it like this. In, uh, on January the 7th of 1981, I took my last alcoholic drink. And, uh, so today, I suppose, marks 41 years of sobriety for me. And, um, you know, am I bragging about that? No, I wish I didn't have to get sober at the ripe old age of 23. But I did because I was a hard-charging, hard-partying young sailor from about 1977 through uh, 1981. And unfortunately, I started drinking in my teenage years. So anyway, I got sober and it was probably the smartest thing I could have done um, for the entirety of my life. 
And uh, so, uh, you know, happy anniversary to me on January the 7th. And, and I'm not going to belabor that subject because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't care if you drink or if you don't drink. I do care about if you drink responsibly. That's all. That's all. And um, it has made my life a little bit difficult at times, as you can imagine, because, you know, I go to wakes, I go to weddings, I go to reunions, and, um, you know, just like anybody else. And, and there's been times of the years where I've been, uh, I've been pressured to drink at social gatherings um, and, um, and, you know, I don't want to dive into the whole story, you know, at a special event because the special event is usually a not not about me. But uh, but when you tell somebody, I just don't drink, you, you know, and you just you just think it would fall dead right there. But some folks are like, well, why not? Well, I just choose not to drink. Well, why not? Well, um, me and drinking don't mix well together. Oh, really? Is there a story there? Yeah, there's a story there. I'm an alcoholic. Leave me alone. I don't drink anymore. That usually brings it to a close. But then there are those who persist and say, but surely one glass of champagne won't hurt you. To which I respond, it all started with one glass of something. A long time ago in about 1974 and... Um, and the story fortunately has a happy ending for me. And uh, in fact, in kind of a twist, uh, getting sober probably uh, saved my Navy career. Uh, you know, I became a, a better sailor. I became a better leader. Um, I became a better academic with regard to my Navy profession. And, um, you know, and it didn't, it didn't slow down my process of promotions or selection for special duties uh, over the years. So, uh, you know, I know there's at least one shipmate out there somewhere that's listening, and, uh, you know, and we know what the Navy life is like, and it's hard, 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 hard. And um, and sometimes you would like to think, well, we can pull into port and just, you know, have a big, big old beer bash and have a good time. And, and so for the remainder of my career... Which still had many, still had sixteen years to go. Uh, didn't pull into any ports and have a party. I just pulled into a port and went sightseeing. So that's the name of that tune. I don't want to waste the whole podcast talking about my history uh, with alcoholic and, and with alcohol and recovery. Uh, that's not what this podcast is about. Although, you know, uh, huh, it is a health and fitness topic. Maybe I'll get to it on another show sometime. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you to our international listeners. Uh, I've seen an uptick, and I don't know the reason why, but I've seen an uptick in the numbers in Australia and the United Kingdom. Thank you, folks, for listening uh, to Pushing 60 Aside. You know, I'm just an everyday Joe. I'm a fitness trainer. I work with senior folks. That's what I do in my own personal retirement. I've stayed active doing this. I'm a little bit of a runner, not as much as I used to be. I'm a big proponent of strength training. And um, so tonight I'd like to ask you, um, <clears throat> do you need a lift? Do you need a lift? And I want to lead into my little discussion here on strength training tonight with that in mind. Because 
I have kind of shifted since uh, I went through a period of dramatic weight loss in my own life because during the days I was uh, actively, you know, getting my body fat percentage down, uh, I did a lot of long, long, long distance walking and then I did a lot of long distance running and uh, I got a lot of cardiovascular activity. Well, you know, about the time I was 58 or so, I was even doing Taekwondo. But I found that strength training was going to be the key to successful living as a senior citizen. Yes, I need to do some cardio. I don't need to do only cardio, though, because I need to work on my entire body fitness. Strong heart, that's great. Cardio's got that covered. But entire full body strength is really, um, in a super way, key to being happy. I'm going to say happy. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. To be happy in your truly senior years. I've often said on the podcast and in my classes and other places that everything's good until grandpa can't get up easy anymore. I want to be the grandpa that can get up from wherever I'm seated uh, with relative ease until I just can't anymore. And whatever brings that day of can't anymore about, I hope the day before the mailman came and I was able to stand up quickly out of my chair and walk down the front walk to the street and mailbox, check the mail, bring the mail in, sort through the mail, throw the junk away, uh, give my wife what's hers. And, uh, and, and I hope that's the day before I can't get up and go anymore. Someday, that day of not being able to get up and go is going to come because I'm not Superman. I don't even have superior genetics. Um, so, strength training. I don't care what you do in 2022, uh, but make strength training a regular part of your week. Two or three days a week is really all you need. No more than about 30 minutes per session. You don't have to lift super heavy. What you do need to do is cover all the major muscle groups, upper body, lower body, core, and make sure that those muscles are stressed through resistance training of some sort um, those three days a week. And you can use a variety of methods. You can use resistance bands. You can use weight machines in the gym. You can use dumbbells, kettlebells, kettlebells, excuse me. Um, you know, um, you can do calisthenics, push-ups, and things like that, pull-ups. The, the routines that you can do within your own personal limitations are really huge. And, you know, so when I start my seniors out in um, the, my fitness classes, you know, I kind of give them a strength test and I start them on two pound dumbbells. And this is for people that have not been lifting at all, maybe ever, or maybe not since high school or college or, you know, years and years, decades and decades ago. And, uh, so I start them out lightweight, you know, and, and start getting their muscles used to just the movements, the routines, the range of motion, the types of exercise that we're going to do. 
because with strength training, form is everything. You know, if I lift the weights wrong, I don't get the full benefit of doing the lift. And if I use awkward positions, you know, I put strain on my elbows, strain on my shoulders, strains on my wrists, strains on my knees, strains on my ankles, all those sorts of things. So it's good to work with a strength training instructor or a strength coach, uh, maybe at your gym, maybe at your Y, maybe even at your senior center if you're fortunate enough to have a certified fitness trainer. But uh, the goal is to work on so many things through strength training. And so I was just kind of curious. I pulled up a web search earlier today. Um, these are things that I knew because I've been doing this for so many years now, but um, they're worth reciting to you because as you go forward in 2022 and you commit to getting some strength training every week, Granted, there are times when we can't hit the gym or the weather's bad and we can't do something outside. There's there's family commitments. There's periods of sickness, um, family crisis. You know, there are stuff. There, there are stuff. There is stuff that will interrupt the flow of your fitness training cycles. So your commitment is like, you know, come what may, as soon as I can, I'm going to get back on track and and do these exercise sessions, you know, a minimum of two times, preferably three times a week, or set up a training cycle where it's upper body on Monday, lower body on Tuesday, upper body and core on Wednesday, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, I'm mispronouncing words left and right tonight. And if I do that, please understand the context of what I'm saying. So if I mispronounce the day of the week, <laughs> I'm just a guy doing a podcast directed at people 60 and older. And, you know, gaffes are part of life and living and you have to you have to laugh. There was a time when I first started the podcast if I hammered a single word or if I sniffled or if I coughed, I'd delete that whole segment of the recording and re-record the podcast. So I'm going to fly through these things real quickly. Uh, the benefits of strength training. So I'm going to ask you, do you need a lift? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Why? Because at our ages, and I'm saying that collectively, I'm 64, you may be 55, you may be 75, but collectively, we all need to consider body composition as we age. And by body composition, I mean, you've got four major components of body composition. You've got bone, right? Everybody agree on that? Yeah, we got bone. You got muscles, right? We all got muscles. We got fat. And by muscles, I mean every protein-based tissue. That includes eyelids and and lips and and fingertips and every all that's uh, considered in the muscle group of what makes up your body. And the last thing, of course, in your body, major components here, the big four, uh, includes water. Water. Now, that's no surprise to you, is it? If it wasn't for the water, the blood wouldn't flow. And, uh, and when it came to the bathroom, you wouldn't go. So we're all carrying a, quite a bit of water around with us all the time, and that's normal. So, but when it comes to body composition, you can't really change your body bone weight, because that's the set you got. 
you know, you fluctuate in your water weight every day through perspiration, through breathing, uh, through how much water or other beverages you have consumed. You know, when we eat vegetables, most of the weight of vegetables is water. So we're always carrying a lot of water weight. The two things that concern me as a trainer when it comes to body composition are body fat and muscle. Body fat and muscle. The goal is always going to be to have lower body fat percentages and higher muscle percentages. Now, I have a set of scales here in the bathroom. I'm not in the bathroom, by the way, but in my bathroom, I have a set of scales that when I stand on them, it runs a little microcurrent through my body and it estimates how much of me is water, how much of me is bone, how much of me is fat, and how much of me is muscle. Because you see, back in the day, when I, especially when I was going through my weight loss phase over a period of about three years, Back in that period there, all I cared about was pounds, 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 pounds. Get on the scale. Did I lose any? Did I gain any? Am I up two, down five? What? 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 And then I had this notion trapped in my head of how much I should weigh. You know, and I might have looked at a doctor's BMI chart in his office and it said, for a guy my height, I need to weigh between this amount and this amount. It'd be like 145 to 154, something like that. Well, my friends, the last time I saw 154, I was probably a freshman in high school. And, um, you know, because like I said, you know, we're dealing with genetics here. The men in my family are short, stocky men. You get what the good Lord blessed you with. Some of that you can change and some of it you can't. But the thing I can change on my short stature is how much of my body, when I get on those special scales in there, is fat. And I can do that through effective dietary management and through exercise and especially through strength training. Strength training for fat? Yes. Well, sure, sure, sure. And how does that work? Well, if I routinely strength train and keep my muscle mass and build new muscle mass, a higher percentage of my body mass is in fact muscle. And that's offsetting on a one-to-one -one ratio for how much of a percentage of my weight is body fat. Now, for women over 60, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw these numbers out there, generalized for women over 60, it's not uncommon to have, and it's not necessarily unhealthy to have body fat percentages at or slightly above 34%. And um, it, much above 34% is generally considered unhealthy. For men, uh, fellas, we start getting in trouble once our body fat percentage exceeds 22%. And, um, you know, that's just a generalized number, but um, it's pretty scientific in its uh, basis uh, that 22%, we start seeing metabolic difficulties um, associated with obesity after about 22%. At that point, you might say a guy's overweight, what overweight, but then suddenly he's 30% and he's obese. So it's something to consider. Strength training does not burn calories like aerobic activity does. It just 
does not. It takes more calories for me to run for an hour than it takes for me to lift for an hour because, uh, you know, there's more demand on my heart, my lungs, my legs, you know, all of that. And typically when I run for an hour, I burn about 750 or more calories an hour depending on the terrain or the level of incline that I'm running on. When I lift, that's a different story. I typically burn less than 300 calories in an hour of lifting. And I'm talking about slow, steady, methodical, controlled, good form lifting. Whatever I'm doing, I'm not burning a lot of calories. I am using a lot of uh, strength and muscle in the effort. So let's, um, man, time's getting away from me already. This is I didn't say this was going to be a short cast, so we may hit the 30-minute mark on this because these are some really important things that I want to talk to you about with regard to strength trainer. There, I went with a word again, strength training. And um, what are the benefits of strength training? Well, number one, this comes as no surprise, it makes you stronger. <laughs> it, that seems too simple for school, doesn't it? But strength training does, in fact, make us stronger. And that's why it's important that when we do strength training, we don't get so focused on the gun show that we forget the leg show. You, you follow that? I've got to work the upper half. I got to work the front side. I got to work the back side. I got to work the glutes, uh, you know, my hamstrings, my quadriceps, my calves. I got to work it all. I got to work the forearms, biceps, triceps. Um, the trapezius, you know, all of these various muscles. And besides that, I've got this big chunk of core around the middle of me that includes abs and obliques and and various other small and assisting muscles. And, you know, I've got to work it all. And I don't want to just be strong. Imagine if my chosen hobby was arm wrestling. And I was a right-handed arm wrestler. And all I ever trained was my right arm. And I just every day went to the gym and did repetitions to make uh, my chest and right arm uh, strong on my right side. You know, I'd be good at really one thing. That'd be right-handed arm wrestling. <laughs> and I might have pencil-thin legs and couldn't climb a, a medium-sized hill. We, we don't want that. We want bodies that are able to do a variety of normal human activities um, because the entire body has been tuned up through strength training. So one, strength training makes you stronger. Two, strength training boosts your metabolism. I like this a lot, you know, because... Uh, now, what is a metabolism? Uh, that's the rate at which your body burns calories um, just to to breathe, pump blood, digest, uh, when it's at rest, when it's asleep. Those basic calories are your basal metabolism rate. And most of us humans burn about 70 calories an hour unless we've got more muscle because muscle uses calories just to live, all right? Fat on your body does not use calories to live. Fat is useless except as a storage fuel, and we're supposed to have some, so that's okay, but when we're better 
muscled out, and we're not talking about becoming uh, competitive bodybuilders here or power lifters, but when our bodies are well muscled out, when we're sitting there watching TV or the National Football Championship, when we're just sitting there, our bodies are burning more calories than if we're um, low on muscle. So I'd rather have a body that's burning, say, 74, 75 calories an hour than a body that's just sitting there burning 70 calories an hour. And that counts for the course of the day. So you multiply 70 calories an hour times 24, you come up with a number. You multiply 75 times 24 hours a day, and you come up with a total number of calories you burn throughout the day, even when you're inactive. And of course, any activity we do from walking the dog to vacuum cleaning to gardening to shooting some hoops, uh, a round of tennis, bowling, any of that naturally burns a lot more calories. So I want a body that even when it's at rest is burning more calories because it has an adequate amount of muscle. So anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, number three, reduces visceral fat. Um, the big enemy of humankind is visceral fat. And, you know, let me describe visceral fat to you. Okay, I'm going to start by saying we all know what some junk in the trunk is and we all know what a beer belly is, right? Uh, we know when when our neck gets fat, all right, and we end up with like a stovepipe from our chest up to our chin. So we, we know where fat collects on the human body. It can collect on the thighs, on the buttocks, on the inner thighs, under the arms, uh, in the breast if you're a woman. Uh, and most of that subcutaneous fat that our bodies collect is really not a problem for us. But the fat that we um, gain, uh, gain's a good word, the, the, the fat that we store in the internal parts of our body, um, in our body cavity, that's the dangerous stuff. That is the stuff that makes surgeries more difficult. It makes you have more problems with those organs. It makes you larger um, because if it's inside you filling up the cavity of your body, you become more round-bellied. There's not a polite way to say that, but it's the descriptive, that um, you become barrel-bellied, so to speak. And, and that's because fat behind your belly button, from your esophagus down to your anus, there is fat surrounding your intestines, your spleen, your liver, your heart, um, you know, everywhere that there's a place that fat can just settle in. And it literally has a choking effect on the efficiency of organs. And so weight training, for some reason, helps to uh, mobilize that fat as a fuel source. So, um, and it's going to make you have a leaner appearance. You know, in general, weight training, strength training, will make you have a leaner appearance. I shared with somebody today that uh, imagine a woman that weighs 205 pounds and uh, she starts doing strength training. 
and uh, and she strength trains for a year, maybe in a class about the level that my classes are with seniors, working out with lightweight dumbbells, but getting good strength training three times a week. So she does this for a year, all right? And after a year, she's down from 205 to 198 pounds. And in most circles, people would go, well, that's not really a great amount of weight loss. Well, honey, she wasn't trying to lose weight. She was trying to regain strength. And let's say during that period of time, her body fat went from 38% to 30%. Well, metabolically speaking and health-wise speaking, that's a tremendous uh, level of progress. And let's say that even though she only weighs a few pounds less than she did when she started, because of the loss of visceral fat and because of the addition of more muscle and a raised level of resting metabolic rate, she's burning more calories every day, even when she's doing nothing. Um, you know, over that year, her, her waist size decreased by three and a half or four inches. So she looks leaner. She is visibly leaner. She's considerably stronger. And she's more flexible and more mobile. So, um, you know, so if all she could think about was, yeah, but I wanted to lose 30 pounds. And every time I got on the scales, it'd say, you know, maybe you lost a half a pound or maybe you gained a pound. But the long haul process and the strength training for men and women, works just about the same. Uh, we displace fat with muscle. We get stronger. We get more able. We have more energy. Uh, we reduce the risk of falls. We reduce the risk of injuries. Our heart health improves because strength training helps decrease your blood pressure by improving blood flow, especially from your lower legs back to your heart. So that's a big win-win. And uh, so <clears throat> the strength training, another benefit of that is it helps us manage our blood glucose because, you know, the whole body runs on glucose. I mean, that's, that's no big surprise. But if we have muscles that need energy, then those muscles are going to draw on glycogen stores to feed those muscles and give nutrient and consequently strength power to those muscles, uh, the body is going to burn blood glucose better. So that's another plus, plus, plus. So I'm winding down here. What about this? What about this? And, and I can laugh about this and talk about this because I see it. Weightlifting, strength training, boost your self-esteem. You know, no, we're not 25 years walk, 25 years old walking out of the gym going, ooh, ooh, I'm all pumped up, you know. You know, I'm swole today. No, we're not doing that. We're, we're just grandmothers and grandfathers and friends. But when we walk out of a good training session, we're pumped up in our mood. We feel good about ourselves because we know, we know we're being proactive in taking care of ourselves. So what if I told you this? What if I told you that strength training 
because uh, there are some stereotypes when you think of what we call in the gym ironheads, these big, super muscular young men that, you know, that hadn't been able to put their hands in their hip pockets for so long because they're... <laughs> because they've gotten so wide and, you know, and so bulbously muscular. Um, but um, we're not talking about that. But what have I told you that strength training improves your brain health and your cognitive function? Uh, and, you know, it's kind of hard to explain, and, and I'm not a scientist or a neurologist that can do that, but when we use muscles in every part of our body to strengthen those muscles, we improve and enhance the neural pathways from our brain to everywhere those muscles are located. And so our brain health improves in actually having command over our, our arms, legs, fingers, feet, all of it, all of it. And so... Your brain is better talking to your body to get stuff done. And I just think that's that's fantastic. And in doing so, um, there is the actual lifting that we do when we're teaching people how to lift and we're instructing them through lifting sessions, it actually improves cognitive function. And there's, there's been studies done, at least 30 of them, that show that people of age, and I'm going to say of age is 70 and older, who routinely engage in strength training, they have better overall cognitive function. They, you might say they think better on their feet now because they're on their feet and they're lifting with purpose and they're strengthening their bodies and strength is something that can be gained at any age in life unless we fool around and it gets too late and we're, we're in a place where we can't do any form of strength training. So um, if somebody walks into my class and she says she's 85 years old but she wants to work out, I say, come on, girl, let's hit it. Yes, ma'am, come on over here. And I started some recently. This may not sound impressive to you. But when you're 80 years old and you're going to go start exercising, I have a set of one-pound dumbbells for you. They're cute. They're little, they're little, little, they're not much bigger around than my pointer finger, but it's some resistance. And it's a starting point for this grandma, great-grandma, who really wants to give herself the chance of having a better quality life in the years to come because she's not done yet. So start her out on one pound dumbbells. A few weeks, we'll move her up to two pounds. If she's still with me, I'll move her up to three pounds. If she's still with me in four months, I'll move her up to five pound dumbbells and she will be cranking out some, <laughs> some bicep curls, some overhead presses, some flies, some rows. Uh, she's going to do it all with us because uh, she now feels good about herself. She knows that she's doing something that makes her doctor proud of her, makes her cardiologist proud of her, makes her husband proud of her, and probably makes the kids and grandkids proud of her too. And so in doing that, in doing all of that, um, we can say that strength training has the potential to improve your quality of life. And, um, and for those of us that deal with arthritis, 
I do. Mine's not terrible, but there are days that are worse than others. Um, strength training helps me manage my arthritis even better. It helps me keep juice in my joints. My arthritis shows up especially in my fingers. Um, but uh, just the fact that I'm exercising and working on grip strength and doing these flexing exercises with my hands, the same ones I do with my own class, you know, what's good for them is also good for me. Um, I have better pain management, and I'm less reliant on over-the-counter anti-inflammatories when I do have an arthritis flare. Most of the time, you'd never know that I had any arthritis at all. So what if I told you that um, being active in a strength training program helps um, improve your mental health? You know, it's one thing to have feelings about your appearance. It's another thing to have self-confidence. And I can't go into the details, but I, I, I will say, just wrapping that up real quick. Um, sorry, I had a senior moment. Um, we're looking at overall physical readiness for anything life throws at us. So, yeah, it helps me. Uh, in quality of life with arthritis, pain management, my mental health, and overall physical readiness. Now, when I was in the Navy once a year, uh, they gave us a physical readiness test. And uh, for those tests, uh, you know, we'd have to run a mile and a half. We'd have to do as many uh, sit-ups as we could in two minutes, as many push-ups as we could do in two minutes. And we had to demonstrate the ability to uh, sit flat on the ground and and reach down and touch our toes or called a sit reach and uh and you had to be able to do that or you got put into remedial uh physical fitness training so i can tell you um there was a lady that started working out with me about seven months ago um i'm not gonna say her age but uh she's older than me okay um when she came into the class she had never been in a formal exercise class before that involved strength training, balance training, range of motion, you know, all this stuff. She, she'd never had that experience board she, before. She looked like a deer in the headlights. That's what we say here in, in the Deep South because uh, if you've ever encountered a deer on the highway at night and they look straight into your headlights, they freeze you know, because they're scared and they don't know what a fast-moving automobile really is or what it can do. Well, this lady, uh, when she came to the class, she had that deer-in-the-headlights look. She was coming into an unknown for her, a place that was not familiar, uh, people she didn't know. And, you know, so that's an act of bravery, just getting there. And I took good care of her. You know, we started her out on light weights. Uh, we progressed her up through the dumbbell set to where she's starting to get a really good physical challenge and getting a good workout. The most amazing thing I saw in six or seven months training this lady was she blossomed like a springtime flower over the first three or four months as her confidence grew, as her strength improved. Uh, her conversation uh, just, you know, improved. Her, her ability to carry on conversations confidently, 
because she's she's part of something now. You know, she feels like she's investing in her own health and and, and in turn investing in her prospect for a quality life in the years to come. And buddy, I'm going to tell you, that is a powerful thing. When you know that this exercise that you push through day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year, gives you the hope of having really good quality years ahead, it fires up your hope tank. Is there such a thing as a hope tank? Well, there is now. And so sometimes I feel like I have to sacrifice. Uh, I sometimes feel like perhaps I have to push through the training because I, I personally don't feel like it. And I'm not talking about instructing others. I'm talking about what I'm doing in my own fitness program. And there are days when I dread it, but I can tell you this from many years of experience now, when I make myself get in the floor or get on the bench, grab the dumbbells and get the workout done, every time I have finished a good, even a 15 to 30 minute workout session, when I am done, I feel great about what I have just done. Knowing full well that whatever I accomplished in that exercise session, I won't realize the benefit from that particular session tomorrow, the next day, or the next day, or the next day, or maybe for the next week. But if I keep going back and getting the strength training done, and that two or three times a week, really good sessions, I know my future looks really good. I might not fall. I might not get hurt picking up uh, an appliance that we bought at the big box store. I may not get hurt um, doing some menial chore around the house. They like moving furniture during spring cleaning. And so I'm kind of counting on that. And another thing, too, is I won't have to sacrifice my independence any earlier than is necessary. Now, I've got some friends now who are older than me who are very fortunate to have adult children who help them all the time. Um, I don't have any adult children locally, and neither does my wife. So, you know, we don't have kind of like a, a, a tag team behind the scenes that can, can do things like uh, take us to doctor's appointments or clean the house for us or, or, or really any other thing. So it behooves us to take really good care of ourselves because, um, you know, it's just us. And uh, we're in it for the long haul. We want the haul to be a good one as free from sickness, disease, and surgeries and ailments as it can possibly be. And my friend, strength training is a part of that plan. Yeah, I'm going to stay sober. I'm never going to drink again. That's part of my plan. I'm going to eat good, healthy food with a lot of color to it. I'm going to get enough protein. I'm not going to eat a lot of sugar and junk food. And as much as I love them, Doritos are off the menu. I'm going to exercise five days a week somehow. And I'm going to get cardio a couple of days a week somehow. 
It's all part of the plan that helped me push 60 aside. And one of these days, it's going to help me push 70 aside. Until the next podcast, thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, share the podcast. Um, If you don't like the podcast, don't tell me you'd hurt my feelings. (laughs) Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And uh, I hope I gave you a lift tonight. I hope I did, and I hope you'll take that lift and do some lifts of your own.